<laughs> How the world would change if Lionel Messi <laughs> played for Ecuador. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? Welcome. Welcome, lovely listeners, to this, another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner. And with me is a man who did not come as a last-minute sub, but did make his penalty kick, Mason, our producer. How you doing, Mason? Oh, I'm doing, um, well, better than England, I think. Yes, certainly better than the three that missed the penalty, I am certain. We'll have more on that later. But here we're to talk about... Well, the U.S. men's national team, they started the Gold Cup competition in the, in the group stage against Haiti. We'll have more on that later. We haven't been with you in a while, and I'm sure you were all uh, hung on tenterhooks waiting for us to come out. But uh, we didn't have any news about St. Louis City, but right before uh, we started to record, something came across with The Athletic in a compilation article done by uh, reputed uh, reporters, uh, Jeff Reuter, Sam Stashko, and Paul Tenorio. In that, they did mention that uh, St. Louis City has reportedly uh, signed former Louisville City uh, coach of the USL, John Hackworth, as in a technical role. Didn't specify what that technical role is, just said technical role. I hope it's not head coach. I don't want a USL head coach. But give us a little background on uh, who John Hackworth is, Mason. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he joined uh, Louisville City FC, uh, the USL side, in 2018. Um, was with them up until April of this year, I believe. Left after one game earlier this year. Um, let's see. In his first season with, with Lou City, uh, won them the USL champion title. Mm-hmm. Uh, went back to the finals in 2019, mm-hmm. and then uh, last year in 2020, uh, had them post the best uh, regular season record in the USL Eastern Conference, and also knocked out my St. Louis FC in the conference semifinals. Uh, yeah, the uh, article with uh, The Athletic did state that uh, he was really sought after by a bunch of USL championship clubs, but uh, he did sign with uh, St. Louis City. They do have a signing in the staff. Wonder what this means. We'll see. You have thoughts on the matter, Mason? Uh, Well, just want to quote a little bit from the article here. Um, Let's see here. Quoting the article, he'll join MLS expansion franchise St. Louis City SC with a technical role that will have direct involvement with their first team and the academy, multiple sources tell The Athletic. The role will see him working with sporting director Lutz Finansdiel as the club builds out its sporting operations. And then a little bit further on, um, he was a sought-after free agent in the USL Championship, which had already seen coaching changes at Indy 11, OKC Energy, and Oakland, and was in discussions to lead one of those sides before joining St. Louis per a source. Right, and the uh, the reporters on this are as highly regarded as it comes to regarding MLS news. Uh, and if you don't... Uh, at- subscribe to The Athletic. I do recommend it, even for any sports, all sports. uh, You know, paying for such stuff is not everyone's cup of tea, but uh, I did it, and I found it to be quite enlightening. Uh, They're wonderful writers, and they do a wonderful job, and the app does a wonderful job of presenting it. And no, they're not sponsoring it, but uh, you're welcome to The Athletic, (laughs) if ever you want to. Email is in the bio. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, yeah, exciting. Wonder what his role is going to be. It's interesting that they reported he's going to be working with the Academy and the first team. Maybe his role is also to bring in knowledge of USL talent and younger talent because Lenz Feinstein, while he's been everywhere in the world, is mostly Euro-based. Does him come in, answer one of the questions I had about the staff. They need knowledge of MLS and American talent and the way that the game is played in MLS. And will he, in this role, sounds to me like he'll be someone that will tie together the first team and the academy, make sure they're on the same page, and uh, also give insight on, you know, younger talent that are here in America that's perhaps not known by the overall 
technical director and director of soccer operations. That's just me speculating. I want as much information or more than you, lovely listener, but I don't have it. So that's what we have. That's our breaking news. And we actually have something to talk about about St. Louis City this far in advance. Hopefully more and more will come. And we're looking forward to that. And we'll be on top of it. Yeah. I do want to just quickly point out that um, St. Louis City had uh, announced that there was going to be big news coming this summer on their Twitter account. This is not official. This is coming from anonymous sources through The Athletic. Reputable sources at The Athletic, or reputable uh, reporters, rather, but through anonymous sources. So, don't know if this is the big news or if there's going to be more coming down the pipe later. Yeah, that's good to know. But also to know that those reporters do not make a report unless they quite certain that unless, you know, developing circumstances stop it, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's our um, news going in, but the first, why we're here is because the Gold Cup has started. And after the uh, wonderful, incredible, batshit crazy uh, Nations League uh, championship final with the U.S. and Mexico, we didn't have a lot to talk about. Now we got a little something to talk about. It's nowhere near as exciting as that. But let's get into it. The U.S. starting the group stage in the Gold Cup, uh, bringing in a B team. Bunch of MLSers. This was the plan. The A team, which is mostly done of the very, very young, very talented uh, teams that mostly are playing in champion, you know, Champions League teams in Europe. Uh, they're back, got some rest. They're back training with their team, solidify their positions in the teams. They're not all solid starters, so they need they need that work. So we're bringing in a bunch of MLSers trying to develop. Uh, uh, depth on the roster, which will be needed in World Cup qualifying, because in the windows from World Cup qualifying, which is what this is all about this year, uh, there's going to be three games in seven days with travel in between, you know, from Canada all the way down to Costa Rica. So you're going to need depth. The whole roster is going to be needed in World Cup qualifying. World Cup qualifying course is incredibly important to the U.S. national team since they failed to qualify for last World Cup. That's what this is all about. So they did win. They got the three points against Haiti. Haiti, not one of the strongest teams in the region, but there are no pushovers either. Uh, The last uh, few Gold Cups, they've had a semifinal appearance and a quarterfinal and they have kept Canada out of World Cup qualifying the past few years themselves. So Canada knows that Haiti is a dangerous opponent. Uh, the U.S., they won. Uh, they kind of, they dominated the stats. It wasn't pretty. Haiti had times where they were dangerous. But for the most part, the U.S. was in control of this game. But there was moments of nerviness because the U.S. scored... And like we saw against Switzerland, especially in the Nations League in the semifinal against Honduras, they were timid. Uh, They got the goal they needed. They won 1-0 like in that game. But uh, they were timid. They didn't show that they were ready to play. Yeah, it feels a little bit like a similar situation because this is now, like you said, the B team. These are not the big starters before anyone's like, well, why didn't they start Pulisic? Yeah, okay, very funny. Um but it seems like it's the same thing coming back around. These are guys who haven't played together very much, and they're gonna they're they're gonna getting their feet underneath them. But they're gonna have to do it quick. Yes, and uh, this team has not had a lot of time. Just the training in this window to be together. So, and it showed. It showed. Uh, now they got off to a great start. Uh, first of all, they had a corner. Walker Zimmerman's up from his back showed his quality that everybody that follows MLS knows that he is great offset pieces. He hit the bar with a header. And then in the eighth minute, Zimmerman also showed the other thing that MLS fans know is his distribution out of the back. He got a ball, passed it up to the uh, rather impressive Kellen Acosta, who forwarded on up the line to also impressive Shaq Moore, playing on the right uh, fullback position. He got advanced put in a cross to Zardes, who didn't have a shot. So he decided to flick it back, put it in a dangerous area. Haiti was all discombobulated, and Sam Vines was in the area, stepped up, took the header, put it in the goal. 
It was really good. They eviscerated Haitian's defense. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful goal. Put the ball. Zardes put that ball right where he needed uh, needed to put it. Vines charges in. Boom, boom. It's it's you can't write it up any better. Yeah. Uh, so things are going well from then. Uh, U.S. team short on wingers. Coach Greg Berhalter said that in the preliminary before the tournament press conference that they don't have a lot of wingers. They elected not to bring exciting young prospect Cade Cowell, who's what 17, 18, like a high school kid, for uh, San Jose. He's not starting for San Jose. He's been impressive. A lot of people like to see him here. I think that the decision was made that he's better off being off with with his team rather than not playing in this tournament. Well, those thoughts were kind of shattered about 12 minutes in. Uh, actually, it's about the uh, 10th or 11th minute when uh, Paul Ariola comes down. He gets another fine feed from uh, Acosta or Zimmerman. He's coming down. He's going to put in a cross. All of a sudden, he sends it way off in the stands, pulls his hand up, grabbing the back of his leg. A couple of minutes later, he's down. He's off. He's hurt his hamstring. Tough loss. Uh, he's experienced. He's played in La Liga. He got hurt on a loan to Swansea City, as did Jordan Morris. Hey, uh, U.S. men's national team players don't take a loan to Swansea. Uh, but this is a big hurt. And after that, the U.S. became very timid. They were very aggressive at the beginning. They were being attacking Haitian, the Haitian defense. They were putting them in tatters. They were all out of sorts. After he goes down, they bring in Nicholas Giacchini, who has already a couple of goals for the U.S. team. He's rather unproven. He plays uh, second division in the French League with Khan. Uh, so he comes on to play a wing. That's not his position with Khan, but he's going to play on the wing. And uh, after this, I don't. I won't say it had anything to do with Giacchini. It's just sort of something in what happened. I didn't get a chance to really off the broadcast feed to see what Areola was doing. But knowing that he's a veteran presence, his bruns are probably drawing people out and he's doing things and he's advancing the ball and being, you know, frightening. Uh, U.S. got very timid after this. It's probably a little bit of the natural reaction, reaction when you come up early is, like, let's hold back, let's not make any mistakes, not like give up a stupid equalizer so soon a little bit of hark the bus uh not not so much but they just weren't going forward and this was brought up in burhalter in his assessment after the uh after the game in his press conference which he does uh, he's become very good at uh breaking down the team and calling out not players but what he saw on the team and, and you kind of get a feel also what he's going to be looking at from the team when they watch the video the uh, the videos following up and the coaching coming on. So it, the first half played out. It was back and forth. Haiti had a couple of chances. Zimmerman hit the post again late in the half on a header. Not a lot happened. Second half comes out. U.S. is even more stale, I guess is a good word. Uh, Haiti becomes more into the game, which is when you're the better team in these tournaments, you never want to give the opponent a chance to feel like to gain their confidence. And Haiti definitely built their confidence. They have a history of some success in this tournament. They weren't overawed. Plus, MLS, in CONCACAF and in the Gold Cup, the whole lot of these players have that MLS experience. They're playing against the players they play in the league when they're playing a team like this. So Haiti showed it. It all changed over a little bit when uh, Burhalter, who's usually slow on his uh, substitutions, uh, brought in a couple of substitutes uh, starting in the, what was it, the uh, 64th minute, I believe it was. Yeah, with uh, Gianluca Busio of Kansas City and Daryl DK, who everybody wanted to see start, came on the 64th minute. And... Uh, Especially Busio really changed the game. It was very also very heartwarming because they're playing at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City, home of Sporting Kansas City. Busio's their, you know, adopted child came over when he was like 13, 14 from North Carolina to their academy. 
and they were calling his name out before he was substituted. Yeah, he's and, their guy. <laughs> yeah, and Burhalter had called him out as somebody especially he was wanting to see in this camp. He's been impressive in MLS. He started out as a technical central midfielder. He's been Peter Vermees putting back in the eight position in a more defensive and uh, more responsible role. And he's handled that with a plum to where the debate is how long is he going to be in Kansas City till somebody, especially in Italy, snaps him up as he has an Italian passport, thanks to his uh, family heritage. And they came on and that changed things around. Busio especially changed the dynamic in the back of the midfield. Jackson Ewell was started there. We've seen it against Switzerland. We saw it against Honduras. He was timid. He passed back instead of forward. He's there because he had shown in the previous year that he could make incisive passes on the diagonal going forward. He could press, and he just hasn't been doing it this year for club or country. And Busio comes in. He just he made mistakes. He wasn't perfect, but he slowed the game down, and he took charge, whereas Ewell looked a little scared. Uh, Busio looked like he was in charge. Uh, he had one blazer shot from outside the box that had to took a great save from the uh, Haitian goalkeeper Silvestri, uh, and he just took control and settled things down. Haiti was attacking on the counter press, the counter attack, and Busio came on. DK, we're all looking forward to me. He looked like you would expect after a solid year of play for a young man going over to Europe and all the hubbub surrounding him and how well he played for Barnsley and the transfer speculation, perhaps to the Premier League. He just looked tired and he looked sore. And uh, there was some talk that uh, the coaching staff said that he was just not ready to play a lot of minutes in this tournament. They just thought the kid needed a rest. And he kind of looked like it. But he is a big body. And one thing they didn't have in the starting lineup, uh, Zardes is a very good fox in the box. He made his runs. He His runs need somebody to hook up with them. Nobody on this team really seemed to do it. Everybody was a little out of sync. Not surprising, considering how they hadn't played together. But um, DK did hold a ball up. He was a force that attracted like a magnet uh, central defenders. It, if it didn't open up the game from the offensive end for uh, the U.S., it did make Haiti not push forward anymore. And that really was the change of the game. Then in the, uh, what was it? Yeah, the 74th minute. I believe it was uh, also the U.S. brought on Eric Williamson, who we all wanted to see in the central midfield, and uh, James Sands of uh, New York City, who's been a very, very solid young defensive back uh, for New York City. And he came in here and he was solid, but he also showed some passing acumen that he had started showing MLS that we didn't really know he had in his locker. So he's an exciting thing that came out. So the, the subs were actually better than the starters in a lot of these cases. And I know Berhalter wanted to win in the first group stage. Team hadn't played together. It's understandable. Some of the players, like Jackson Ewell, perhaps has played themselves out of an opportunity after playing themselves in. That happens. This also, all of these players, even the MLS ones, are mostly young so that happens. But at the end of the game, as it gets down to the 88th, 89th minute, Busio, Williamson, the team on the field, they just bossed possession. They held on the ball for two plus minutes. It didn't come to anything, but they pretty much just dominated the ball. That was great to see because of all the helter-skelter that was in the second half that made everybody on edge. They just held the ball for two minutes at crunch time. Closed out the game. U.S. wins. Takes the three points. They're second in the group stage behind Canada on goal difference. Canada beat Martinique. Uh, they beat them 4-1. That's the U.S.'s next opponent. And uh, we'll see if the U.S. can catch that goal difference. And, of course, it could come down on Sunday. Uh, Thursday's the game against Martinique. Sunday's the game against Canada. Will the game against Canada matter? 
maybe not. The Haitians are Canada's bogeyman. It could be a desperate game for Canada. We'll see. There's a lot of intrigue in these tournaments. And uh, especially, you know, with the U.S. bringing a talented group of people, but not their A-team. But there were some people here on this team that could start. Uh, could be fighting for starting roles at certain positions on the A-team when it comes time. It's because of the geographical differences the U.S. experiences during this shortened era that they didn't really play together. And we'll see how that goes going forward. Do you have anything else to add, Mason? Um, not really. Um, just... You kind of mentioned Jackson Hewell, who, you know, seemed like, you know, well, maybe he's played himself out now that he's played himself in. And it, it goes back to, you know, these group, the, this group of guys who haven't really played together. Um, sometimes the chemistry's not there or you need a little bit of time to find it. Hopefully he can find it because otherwise that's not going to be very good moving forward. But um, it just things like that. And because he he looked he looked better when he was playing with the A-team. Yeah, but he also disappointed yeah, uh, in there, Switzerland. But... <laughs> he was uh, really bad against Honduras, uh, which is disappointing because the year before, he was good with the national team and good with his club team. He looks like he's lost confidence. Also, he plays for San Jose with their extreme man-marking sort of system under uh, Matias Almeida. And he, he looks like he's lost between the national team and the club both in MLS and here with the national team in the Gold Cup. Under the different systems. Hey, it happens. Maybe he's just, after a good showing of what Burhalter wanted from that position, which was the passing ability of Jackson Ewell, which he especially has not shown in the last three big games, the ones that really matter. Uh, people said he shouldn't have played this game. Burhalter, he owed... he. Earned the chance to fail again. He, let's put it bluntly, he failed again. His defense wasn't good. His offense wasn't good. He was timid. He passed backwards. He didn't push the game forward. He's one of those players that just didn't make the cut. Another one, starting on the left wing, was Jonathan Lewis, who doesn't even start for the Colorado Rapids in uh, MLS. Has had some good showings in uh, the national team. But in this game, he was either invisible or when the ball came in in a times of possession, he just lost the ball, made a bad pass, made a bad decision, dribbled into traffic. He, he was actually the worst player on the field. He was invisible. And uh, there's a couple of other guys that didn't see time in this game that perhaps should get the start over him, and we'll go into that. But those are negative thoughts. Let's look more on the positive thoughts. Who were the winners in this matchup? Uh, first of all, Kellen Acosta. Playing in the central midfield role, advanced ahead of Ewell. He was covering the defense. We'll get into Shaq Moore and where he came from, how well he played. He covered for him when he did the advanced runs often the facilitator in the early going when the U.S. was on the front foot, bringing the ball up from the back, pushing it forward, which is usually what you want Ewell to do. Uh, he just was solid. And uh, Kellen Acosta is an interesting one because if you've been following the U.S. team for a while, or MLS, you know that when he was younger a few years back, he was the hot young thing. Uh, playing for SC Dallas and the U.S. men's national team. Had a few caps. Then there was rumors of a transfer that didn't go through. He had an injury. He fell out of form with Dallas, got traded to the Rapids. Didn't have a lot of uh, initial success there. But then he started playing better and better for the Rapids. He got called in a couple of years ago with the U.S. national team. Nah. Then he gets called up recently. And he's the one that played the game against Mexico, was exceptional in that game. Not only for his physical, but he's, his mental attitude. Now, he's 25 years old now, even though he's been around forever. He's only 25. He's one of the younger, or I should say wrong, older guys 
on this roster. And it's not surprising. We're getting a little jaded about this youth in the U.S. Everybody on that Nations League team, you know, they were 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Well, he's 25 going on 26 before the Gold Cup is done. And historically, not just in the U.S. team, but internationally across all nations, that's about the time that you grow into your prime physically and mentally, and you become a member of the international team. That's the way it is, and he's shown it. He has had to adapt his game. He's had to win back favor for club and country. He's been played as a left back on the wing, central, he did it in this game when they substitute Ewell, brought on Busio. They, uh, or was it when they uh, took off Moore and brought in uh, Williamson? Then Acosta went over to the left back. He solidified that position defensively. He did that. They changed formation to two in the front. Did that against Mexico in the Nations League game. That versatility, his veteran leadership, his knowledge of the game. It's coming to the forefront. He's growing into his prime. Uh, so he's starting to become a very serious member and pr- is starting to solidify a role with the team, whether it's A team, B team, C team, whatever you call it. Kellen Acosta is coming in. We'd like to see it continue. I want us to keep seeing him play. He was the best player on the U.S. team. The standout surprise was Shaq Moore. Uh playing on the uh, right wing back role, he got forward. He was pushing the action. Uh, He was offensive. He didn't make any defensive mistakes that I can notice that were glaring. Uh, He's out of season. He plays for the Canary Tenerife and the Canary Islands of the second division in the Spanish league, La Liga. And uh, he's completely out of season. He got called in because uh, Arroyo of... uh, the LA Galaxy decided, you know, in the fight between the U.S. and Mexico, he decided he didn't want to be captied, declined the invitation, so they called him in. So he's out of fitness. He's not even, his team hasn't even started preseason yet training. So he comes in, he plays a good part of the game. He's pushing forward. He was as advanced. Most of the offense, especially after Areola went out, was Walker Zimmerman from center back kicking balls out to Shaq Moore, streaking down the right and putting in crosses in the box. They didn't really meet a lot of people. There wasn't a lot of runs uh, going on. Zardes is known for his runs. Even he kind of stopped because things weren't happening. Everything was at a standstill. That's about all we had going on at that midsection of the game. But he was... Actually, much better than anyone really expected, though everybody's excited to see him. We've seen him a couple of times with the national team. He's shown spots. Yeah, he looked pretty good. Let's see what he does coming up. Walker Zimmerman uh, is a big thing coming in at center back in this team. He was called in to the Nations League team. Uh, Somebody got hurt. He was called in from back in center back, but... uh, there is a spot open with the first 11 next to John Brooks. Walker Zimmerman's very much there with Mark McKenzie. He could take it. Zimmerman was very good. Very solid in the back. His distribution out of the back. Kicking the ball forward. getting the Pushing up the, half, uh, the halfway line. Kicking the ball to Shaq Moore down the side. It was pretty much for most of the middle of the game. The U.S. offense. Uh, he also very good on set pieces as anybody else that's a MLS fan knows. He hit the post twice on headers. So he very well could have had two goals. He was very close on this. So he was a standout performer. Uh, Gianluca Busio came in and changed the game. Uh, he did everything that Ewell was supposed to do and didn't do. Except he's not quite the line-breaking passer out of the back. And he's... Still learning that role at the eight of being defensive, but Ewell didn't show what he should have shown. Busio was good. He also, he took control. He's, I think, 17, 18, even though he's been playing for Sporting Kansas City for three, four years now. He, like, put his foot on the ball, tightened traffic, 
you pass it to him. One thing Ewell doesn't do is when he's tied against the other players, he gets the ball. He doesn't do it in turn. He doesn't look past his shoulder. He doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets the ball. Busio immediately is turning when he receives the ball because he knows which way he's going to go. Or at least fake or do something. It's very telling. He's so much more technical than Ewell. He's... Uh, I've, Anybody that follows the team is going to want to see him play rather than Yule. We've seen enough of Jackson Yule. Doesn't mean Yule's done. He's still young too. But he seems to have lost confidence. He seems to have lost his way. He's still got time to find it back. But he is slow. And there's who knows what talent we're going to see before the World Cup. And especially before 2026. That's a long way away. Another one that really stood out to me because they were surprising, was uh, James Sands coming on to play the third center back as a shifted position. He's noted at uh, New York City for being very good on the defensive end, not very much noted for his passing. But he was very good at disturbing the ball out of the back and diffusing pressure. He was also a stalwart defensively. Uh, very exciting to see him. He has shown that a little bit this year in the MLS, he showed it a lot in this game, and uh, maybe there's more to see for him coming in, especially if they change to a three-in-the-back rotation, uh, which I don't expect to see because Berhalter generally runs with a um, 4-4-3 rotation, but we'll see what's going on later. Also, there were some players that need a longer look or cemented their positions. Sebastian Leggett, the old man of the team, He's 28. Uh, He wasn't outstanding. He just seemed to be in charge. He didn't do anything special. He didn't do anything wrong. He seemed to be in the right position. Seemed to know where he was going, how the system worked. It's the reason why he plays with the A-team. He's like the 12th man on the team right now, I would say. He showed up well. Miles Robinson... At defensive back, noted for his one-on-one defending, he had a shaky moment at the start. You know, early in his uh, national team career, it happens. Happened to Mark McKenzie in the Nations League as well. It happens. Uh, He played better, didn't play as well as I expected, needs another look, and he'll definitely get it. Uh, His one-on-one defending, if they ever do go three in the back, he's very important, as in Zimmerman to that his athleticism and uh, he didn't show it in this game Zimmerman did but with Atlanta in MLS his distribution has been eye-popping as of late so we'll look to see that as he gets more comfortable everyone wanted to see Matt Turner in goalkeeper for the national team because he's athletic he's as the rumor is going around now and there's stats to prove it perhaps the greatest shot stopper in MLS history as a goalkeeper, but he has one drawback is playing with the ball at his feet. He had two very awkward, uncomfortable situations where he lost the ball under pressure, perhaps against a better opponent, he gets burned. That's noted going forward. He is late to soccer, didn't even start taking it seriously till 16. Some of his teammates are already just past 16. Uh, But he was, because he's such a great athlete, he had other options. He chose this. That shows in his shot-stopping ability. That lack of experience shows in how uncomfortable he is in using his feet. Not all goalkeepers are goalkeepers from the time they're nine. They're usually playing somewhere else and they learn how to handle the ball. And that's especially more important in today's game than it used to be as you play out of the back and you don't want to just boot it long and have a 50-50 chance to keep him possession. So we'll see how that goes going forward. He's very good at chopping stop. Uh, we know this. We'll see if he's good enough to actually play in World Cup qualifying, get to a World Cup just being a shot stopper. I don't see him taking the number one role by any means. Daryl DK, everybody want him to start over Zardes at striker. He came on Later in the game, he did look tired. He looked like a guy, he's got a lot going on in his life. World's changed on him in the last year. 
He looked a little sore. There was rumors coming out of the camp that he's tired, he's sore. It showed. Giasi Zardes had that wonderful assist where he just sort of flicked it on when he couldn't make the shot. He flicked it into a dangerous position. Haiti was open. Vines was there, took advantage of it, put the header in. That made Giasi Zardes, as much as he is mostly despised by a lot of national team fans, the second fastest on the U.S. team ever to get to double digits in assists and uh, goals. The only one quicker was Landon Donovan because, of course, he was. Uh, Zardes, he made runs. He made good runs. There weren't some people picking him out. He's in the box. You know, if he's in the box, he's usually going to put it in. He's shown that with the national team over and over and over against poor, against good competition. He's not the best number nine, but right now he's the best number nine. So, yeah, cemented his position one or two right now. And uh, that's pretty much it. Mentioned earlier, yeah, there's a couple of guys that we saw. We don't want to see anymore. Don't want to see Jackson Yule. Jonathan Lewis just brought nothing to the game. A couple of meh players. Uh, Giacchini, who plays uh, in uh, second division in France with Caen, came on as a wing for Areola. Kind of a surprise. He had a couple of moments. He had a particular strike that hit the post. Looked like it was going in. Matter of fact, he even did the spin like he thought it was going in, and it just hit off the post. Uh, otherwise, he's not a... He, he, his crosses, he's a left-footed player. He's playing on the right. He's trying to put crosses into his right foot. Just didn't work. Out of position. Paul Areola pulls his hamstring. Boy, did the team look different when he went out. With no wingers on the team... Him going out really puts pressure on this team. So we'll see what happens. We're going to miss his veteran stability. He's been very good for the U.S. men's national team. He's almost an A-lister, as is. So him not playing hurt. And Sam Vines, even though he got the goal, there was also one thing he's extremely good at, is in open spaces curling and doing nice little touch passes into people. We saw that a couple of times. Also, he pushes forward. Don't know how good he is on the defense. We'll see more of him. Like to see more of him. His game was neither great nor bad. But with the lack of wingers, there was two particular players that we did not see in this game. And maybe they were saved up. Don't know why. First of all, is Christian Roldan. Extremely good. Uh, right now, perhaps a best 11 player in MLS in the midfield for the Seattle Sounders. Really has filled the gap that Nicholas Ladero being out has done it. Uh, he didn't get sea time in this game. I really think Ariola's spot, Roldan, is perfectly suited to take that. Maybe against Martinique, you play somebody else, though we do need goals to, and we'll get into why they need goals a little later. You need goals. Perhaps he's not necessarily a goal scorer, but he is a goal creator and has shown that all season long and throughout his career with Seattle. Hasn't necessarily had the best career with the national team, which is a little surprising. The other one we didn't see is uh, Matthew Hoppe, who usually plays as a striker for Moribund. Bundesliga team Schalke, who's been demoted to the two Bundesliga. Uh, but he had a very good season. You normally plays this, but if you've ever seen the highlights or anything, he's often coming in off the wing, off the left. I, uh, he's there really to see what he does, and was brought in. Burhalter said this in the preliminary press conferences as a guy that can play off the wing. Give him a look because Lewis was a rally killer. Really did not have a good game. So that's our takeaways from the Haiti game. U.S. get the three points. Historically, in Gold Cups, even when the U.S. has won, they have not necessarily always got the three points from the first game. So, they did do that. Mexico played Trinidad and Tobago, and we know all about them. Mexico did not get the three points. It was a nil-nil draw, even though Mexico absolutely dominated the game. The big story here is that their best player, and best player that was in the tournament, 
uh, was Chucky Lozano. Early on the game, he gets a little tudge in the box, goes headfirst into the goalkeeper's knee for Trinidad. His net bit, neck bent back. It's hard for me to say. It's pretty ugly. Had to be stretchered off. Face laceration, neck injuries, out four to six weeks. He's out of the Gold Cup. Mexico didn't score. They're going to be there. But this goes into the machinations of what happens in group play and who you play later. Canada played Martinique. Uh, Alfonso Davies, who was the best player in the Gold Cup, got a little niggling injury and training and ran back to Bayern Munich, which he probably should have been all together to cement a position there. Uh, He was out, but Canada still beat Martinique 4-1 under the strength of uh, Revolution's Tejan Buchanan just terrorizing on the left. U.S.'s approach was on the right, and that's where they terrorized Haiti. Canada did on the left. We didn't have things on the left. Let's see if we find something to do on the left when we play Martinique. And the importance about the goal difference is... If you're second in the group, you'll be in the uh, the lineup after the group stage to play Mexico in the semifinals, not the finals. So you want to win on goal difference on this. Of course, Canada still has to play Haiti, who's their bugaboo, and they still have to play the U.S. on Sunday, for whatever that's worth. Goals make a difference. You want to win the group, and assuming Mexico wins the group, so you don't play Mexico to the finals. That's what everybody wants. That's what CONCACAF wants. That's what you want. That's what Mexico wants. Everybody wants that, except maybe Canada or El Salvador or Panama. Uh, now, also, speaking of El Salvador, they play Guatemala. There's a whole story behind this. But on the El Salvadorian team, Christian Roldan's brother, Alex Roldan, who also plays for the Sounders, he really doesn't have a chance in this stacked U.S. national team lineup. So he chose El Salvador. Even though he's from Artesia, California, their family's from there. So he took that. He didn't start, which was kind of surprising. Came on the second half, and in the 64th minute, hit a really nice strike uh, from the top of the box. Put El Salvador up 1-0. They won 2-0. They advance against Guatemala. Guatemala team that was eliminated from the Gold Cup on Tuesday. Then, Curacao had an outbreak of COVID in their team, so they backed out of the tournament. Guatemala was told on Thursday, you're in. They'd already, or or Friday, I think it was, they were told. They'd already fired the coach on Thursday. They were told, now you're in. Gather up a team. And you're supposed to play on Saturday, but we'll push it back to Sunday. So they played at 10 p.m. in Dallas against it. Showed up pretty well, pretty well, in that game. Would love to see Curacao with all those young Dutch talent that chose Curacao because they're not getting the Dutch national team, but still an exciting team in CONCACAF. But they couldn't show up. And, uh, <laughs> but Alex Roldan, hey, we'll see what goes on further forward. I don't, I haven't looked at the bracket. It'd be very interesting to see Christian Roldan and Alex Roldan starting against each other in a USL Salvador match. That'd be fascinating to watch. Sounders fans, they'll go, if they're not already too obnoxious, they'd be really obnoxious <laughs> that night. Now, what to look for against Martinique. Martinique is not nearly as good as Haiti. Haiti did lose a couple of players to COVID as well coming in. They're not that good. First game jitters, they're a lot better than Martinique. U.S. needs to win this game by three goals. Mm-hmm. And they can, but they can't play timid. They can't, they got to attack this team. They've got to push them, push them in a com- uncomfortable situations and uh, just take it out of the, out of the, Take them out of the game early on for the gain in the confidence. Haiti has some talent, have players that play internationally, and as the U.S. let them get comfortable, the game became more of a nail-biter. So we'll see how that goes on going forward. So that wraps up our coverage of the Gold Cup after the first game of the group stage. This goes on until August 1st. Famously, Stu Holden of Fox Sports, that's his birthday. Finals in Las Vegas interestingly 
And we'll see if the U.S. can get there. That'd be interesting. There was a couple other things going on in the soccer world. The Copa America final between Brazil and Ecuador. Brazil and Argentina. What did I say? Ecuador? I, yeah. Oh, my. We'll just cut that in post, okay? Argentina, because the whole story is Lionel Messi against Neymar. And Lionel Messi does not play for Ecuador. Ecuador, they're not making a fine. Why did I say that? Where'd that come from? Yeah, that won't be saved. Uh, so, we got Brazil against Argentina. Not, not Ecuador. Ecuador. Uh, Neymar against uh, Messi. Got the uh, opening goal against a run of play early on by Angel Di Maria in a misplay by Brazil. Nice shot by Di Maria. These guys are talented as all get out. Uh, and Argentina held on and won. Rough game. Tough game. Strangely refereed. There was one particular play where there was a foul called against an Argentina player. The Brazil player's down on the ground. He gets up. He shows a big hole in the sock on the side of his calf where the studs of the Argentinian player had nipped him. On the same play, Neymar's standing there. His shorts are half ripped off. In the same play. Yeah. <laughs> this is like in the 12th minute of the game. The whole game went on like this. Yeah, they're, they're just playing monster trucks out there, basically. Yeah. It was back and forth. It was brutal. They just beat the hell out of each other in that game. Brazil couldn't find the equalizer. Argentina held on. Got the wonderful scenes of the Argentinian team throwing Lionel Messi up in the air. He's being hugged and kissed like, I think it was Stu Holden on the broadcast said, like, the, like he's the Stanley Cup. Yeah. <laughs> nice embrace between him and Neymar after Neymar got over his uh, emotions. And he greeted and was professional and kindly. And so it's a big deal. Lionel Messi finally wins a major trophy with Argentina, which he had never done. So congratulations to them. That was exciting. It was an exciting competition. I didn't watch a whole lot of it. There was a whole lot going on because concurrently we had the European Championships, the Euros going on. And it looked like football was going home. <laughs> and football went Rome. Yeah, that's right. Italy uh, beats England. England loses again yep. in penalty kicks. Yep. It's the English cycle. You invent a sport, you spread it all around the world, and then you fucking suck at it. <laughs> and uh, England scored very early. What, what, like second minute? Yeah. It, Incredibly early. Uh, and then decided to bunker in against a exciting Italian team that was the class of the tournament for ever and that didn't really work uh and a funny gareth salkate decides to bring on some exciting attacking talent to kick penalty kicks and marcus rashford and uh Jaden sancho you know after they played extra time why didn't you bring these guys on earlier maybe they would add some attacking maybe england could have scored that goal before italy got it in the 69th minute of the equalizer, I think it was. 67th, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then it goes to penalty kicks. Rashford, uh, Sancho missed theirs. Jordan Pickford makes two saves. You know, if your goalkeeper saves two penalties, you expect to win. And then they end up with Bukioko Saka. What is he? 19 year old yeah something like that uh having to make the penalty for england is a weak penalty he looked nervous as hell way out of place italy wins yeah and it's about the worst case scenario because the whole tournament not just the british press and like the british prime minister the british home secretary had been all over these players in particular for kneeling before games and we can all imagine why whipping up this whole the whipping up l the whole english press the whole british press into this anti anti these players fervor 
and they're the three that miss it. That in that all of a sudden they're the ones that threw the finals, basically. Yeah, and, and then the, the racist comments just stream in on social media, which the Premier League and the English national team is fighting a tremendous fight against, much like the Mexican national team and their homophobic chant. Yeah. Uh, which occurred again in their game against Trinidad Tobago, by Twice. the way. Twice. Uh, actually, three times. That would have been a bad event in the match. Somehow the referee didn't hear the yeah. ones that started up immediately after the second stoppage. But uh, we know how this goes and how it plays out. Mm. And we'll see what CONCACAF and FIFA do Yeah. But, on that. But uh, the situation with England and that. And here's Marcus Rashford that they're doing. He... Did that whole thing with sponsoring and fulfilling feed for poor children and all this stuff. Gets an MBE. Yeah. No, no, you miss a penalty yeah. kick. Yeah. You're uh, and just I mean, a dirty bleep uh, yeah. again. And that, doesn't matter. Well, and that's really when the whole campaign against him started because he was very outspoken against the government's plan to cut that funding, which they did. And so he basically single-handedly fulfilled that. Yeah. And, and and was very outspoken in saying one footballer shouldn't have to do the government's job. And so immediately everyone is all over him, calling him just short of the N-word and whipping it all up. And then they start kneeling and it gets even hotter. And then they're the three that miss. And it is disgusting. And I guess the best way to wrap up this episode is just to say, why can't we all just get along? If only it was that simple. And that's a historical reference. Look it up if you need to, kids. Anyway, that wraps up this episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. We'll be back following up the Martinique game, the Canada game, the Gold Cup, all in just to fill the time until we get St. Louis City news. Charlotte FC, who will come in next year, they've done some things, and I'll have to look up and study more of this. They've been doing things, they might be something to watch, see where City stands as they go forward in that match. If you're not already, wherever you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and follow us, rate and review us, it really makes a difference, and uh, we're in this for the long haul, we'll be back shortly with another one as long as life doesn't get in the way <laughs> and consider how much it's been raining here lately life uh gets in the way yes but until next time lovely listeners thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon bye for now